You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. If it's your first time listening, thanks for coming along. If you're a long-time listener, I know we have many of you out there. Thanks for coming back and uh, having another listen here to the podcast. Hopefully you'll enjoy today's show. As always, please do uh, hit the rate, subscribe, comment button on iTunes, Stitch, or whatever you listen to it on. Download multiple devices, as I always like to mention. And of course, my name is Colm. I'm here again on my own today. I'm going to have a special guest coming up for you in just a little moment. Joined by Marcus Ogden, former NFL offensive lineman. I'm going to talk to him. Some very interesting points brought up with him, and uh, including things like even the practice squad, NFL Europe, and much, much more what he thought was the toughest part of playing on the offensive line and some of the stories from his career and uh, his brother also in the Hall of Fame. So some uh, interesting stuff to come up there. Absolute gentleman to talk to and uh, enjoy. Uh, really looking forward to taking that to you now in just a little moment. As always, starting the show, we'd like to give a shout out to our pals at LastWordOnSport.com. Great partners of Overtime Ireland, always helping us to reach a bigger and more widespread audience. And uh, it's always great to be involved with them. Their Twitter handle is at LastWordOnSport. Their website, as I mentioned, there is LastWordOnSport.com. They've you covered for all sports, so do check out the site. Might be looking up to get something about the NBA, maybe the, the end of the college basketball. Maybe looking towards the NFL draft, much, much more, all available on their website, LastWordOnSport.com. Our website, as I mentioned at the start as well, is OvertimeIreland.com. Not much going up on it at the moment. Kind of downtime at the minute. We might have some mock drafts and so on going up there. Lots of those going around the internet at the moment. We had uh, last week on the show... Mike Huggenin of NFL.com. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to that. Some interesting stuff about the NFL draft. We'll have a few more draft-related shows, some special guests on in the coming weeks. But on today's show, we're going to be joined by, as I mentioned, Marcus Ogden. So let's get Marcus on the show right now, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this one. The OTI Red Zone, presented by OvertimeIreland.com. Delighted to be joined now on the podcast by Marcus Ogden. Marcus played in the NFL for... Quite a number of years drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 2003 and uh, I'm delighted to have him on to, to sp- share some of his thoughts on his time in the league and of course some of the things going on now in the National Football League. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Oh, no problem. How are you doing, Colin? Uh, doing very good. Um, weather's quite bad over here in Ireland at the minute. I'm sure it's a, a little bit warmer where where you're where you are at the moment. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> Nice, yeah. I'm, uh, it's probably right now, Colm, about, I'd say about 60 so it's not too bad. I live in uh, North Carolina, which is uh, probably from like you know uh, DC, about five hours where I actually five six hours drive where I, where I was actually born. So I moved here about it'll be actually two years this month. I'll be here. I'll be here two years in two weeks uh, exactly. Yeah, and uh, we had some uh, hailstones yesterday here in Ireland. So uh, I don't think you're getting any of that down in Carolina, but uh, you're. Nah. you're- your uh, your time in the league. I'm going to get you to start off. Obviously, played offensive line in the league, and uh, I'm going to get you to start off with the. I don't know. I, I think it's an easy question, but it could be hard to pick one out. Uh, your favorite moment from your time in the National Football League? Uh, my favorite moment was going to uh, my first uh, preseason game where we played the Minnesota Vikings, um, and I actually had to watch like all the crazy fans and like the guy who was as the actual Viking came out on his motorcycle and everything was all loud and crazy and the fans were just going nuts and yelling and that for me made me realize that this wasn't college anymore because in practice it's not as, you know, dramatic or not it's not as, you know, live fire. Yeah. So it was actually kind of really cool to 
be in there and see that. And that was really one of my big things was, you know, playing at Viking Stadium uh, for my first game uh, of my NFL career. Yeah, I seen the Minnesota Vikings playing in Wembley two seasons ago, and it's quite a quite a thing when they take out the the guy on the the motorbike and everything, get the fireworks going off. So I can definitely see. I'm sure the hairs in the the back of your neck were standing up for that. Yes, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, when you, when you're dealing with that type of stuff, you know, certain stadiums are gonna, at home are going to be crazier than others. Like you know, Viking Stadium is pretty bad. The Raiders Stadium is pretty bad. So, uh, you know, also Philadelphia is awful. Pittsburgh is one of the worst. So it's just kind of like trying to figure out what, you know, how to make that, you know, distinction between, you know, you're playing at a high, high level or you're playing as far as, you know, your talent level. And I tell you what, and when I played the Vikings, they didn't make it any better. They at the time had their first round draft pick with Kevin Williams out of Oklahoma State. And that's who I lined up against for my first NFL game. So, Needless to say, it was kind of a very uh, enlightening experience. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's uh, inappropriate you mentioned there having him as a first-round draft pick going up against you in your first game. Uh, offensive line, it's, it's you know uh, some people don't pay as much attention to it as they probably should. You don't have a good old line. Your quarterback's not going to get time in the pocket. You're not going to get a, a running game going if you're not opening up those holes. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff goes into uh, effective offensive line play. But uh, the toughest part of playing on the old line that you found, what was the element that you found the toughest was going up against those big defensive ends, or what way did you you like to look at it? If the toughest thing I see the offensive lineman. It's just being is consistency because you're going to get beat sometimes. Yeah. You know, you hope it's not a sack. You hope it's more of a hit on a quarterback than a sack, or you're hoping it's for a couple-yard gain and a loss. But the hardest part about being offensive lineman in the NFL is having a short-term memory when you lose battles. That sometimes, yeah, that sometimes is psychologically. Be the, oh, absolutely. Psychologically, it's just absolutely. Super, it, it's super hard to keep yourself in that train of thought being positive when you lose. And that's one thing that I had to deal with and learn after my rookie year how to deal with it. I lost the battle, how to, how to come back on the next play and be better. So that's, that, that's going to be the hardest thing I would think is being psychologically tough enough to not you know, lose your focus if you lose battles. Yeah, it's a very good point too because a lot of the time, the only time you'll notice a, an O-line man is when he makes a mistake and gets bet for a sack or a pressure on the quarterback. So, you know, you might know any of the guys on the line's names, but I can guarantee you when you're watching it on TV, whoever gets bet for the, the sack or that is going to be pointed out. So, you know, you do have to have that short-term memory to, to get over that and make sure your quarterback doesn't get any pressure as much as you can anyway for the rest of the game. You uh, for for a good part of your career as well. You were involved with the the practice squad and a number of different teams. A lot of people, I I, I like to get uh, things like this uh, on our podcast over here because the game's growing over in Ireland, the UK, throughout Europe, and you know a lot of fans are learning as we go along. But for some of them, they mightn't uh, you know they mightn't even know what a practice squad is. Obviously, you have your first team roster, and then you have a, a practice squad which kind of goes up against the the first team during the week to to try and maybe a scout team and uh, help help the first team go along for that game. But just a practice squad in general, your thoughts on it, and uh, explain it a little well, bit to maybe some of the people who, who don't yeah, know what it is. The practice the pra- squad for me is, I came to the practice squad when I was in Baltimore, and then I got moved up, and then uh, in Buffalo, I, I, I ended up playing uh, on the practice squad for a week and getting moved up uh, to an active roster, and what happens is, on the practice squad, it allows you 
to really learn an offense. Like, that's kind of how it was for me. Like, when I joined uh, both the teams that I joined uh, with Buffalo and, and, uh, and Baltimore, I was on the practice block to kind of learn the actual plays and kind of learn the systems and learn stuff like that. And then I got moved up to the roster. So, honestly, a practice squad really is good because, you know, if you're a young guy who's struggling with a couple things, it allows you to make the team in order to kind of, you know, get yourself ready to go. But then if you're a guy that's coming into a new program or a new team, it allows you uh, the opportunity to learn uh, the new systems and new plays, stuff like that. And therefore, you can help contribute to the roster once you've had time to learn the actual plays. Yeah, so the practice squad really is a good thing for uh, in the NFL uh, for getting guys ready. You know, both that are young guys that are trying to develop, and then guys that are new to a team trying to learn the uh, the actual plays and the systems of their new football team. Yeah, you mentioned there as well that if you're you know you got picked up or you moved up uh, to the main roster after just a week in your time in Buffalo, but there's times yes. that, there's times that uh, you know people could be on the practice squad for. Maybe some people be on the practice squad their entire career don't get it up, but it is a very, very valuable part of it. It's a, it's a good way, as you mentioned there, to look at a player, and if he's good enough, move him on up. And then, of course, you need it for positional depth. If you're at the O-line position and you're, you have two tackles out injured, you might need to call one of those guys up that's on the practice squad, so they need to know everything that you need to know about the offense. So it's a really underrated part, and we do see from time to time, I'm a Packers fan, and Scott Tolzien got called up a few years ago when Aaron Rodgers got injured. He was on the practice squad for the Packers and got thrown in at the deep end there for a couple of games so you do see that from time to time usually not at the quarterback position but definitely a valuable piece that uh, a lot of people don't give the the coverage maybe that it deserves but um you also had a a time over here in europe with the nfl europe how did that go for you that was awesome home i played for the scottish clay morris uh my head coach on our team was jack bignell um um, offensive coordinator um his name was sam um ricciliano used to be the head coach of the, uh, of the Cleveland Browns. So I really had a great time in Scotland, lived in Glasgow, uh, stayed at the Thistle, the Thistle Hotel, uh, had a really nice time with uh, like my adopted family. Uh, like basically what they do is they, have, they give you people that you can get a chance to help you, you know, know the area, take you around, meet, you know, see new things, see new you know, scenery. So my adopted family, uh, was Bob, Jenna, and Jessica, uh, they were a married couple with, uh, you know, uh, Bob's niece was, you know, staying with them. So I spent a lot of time going to, like, you know, different parts of the country. I actually went and saw William Wallace's sword. Uh, I went to, Rob- I went to uh, uh, Robert Bruce's castle, saw the crown jewels of, of, of Scotland, uh, went to uh, uh, Loch Ness Lake. Uh, so, I mean, I had a great time there. The football was phenomenal. I uh, played um, with a guy. Our quarterback was uh, Nate Hibble. Uh, I think it's Nate. It's either Nate or Josh. I think it's Nate Hibble who played at Oklahoma. Uh, he was on. He was with the Browns at the time, sent over by the Browns. And I played against guys like James Harrison, who uh, was sent over to NFL by the Ravens. And at that time, you know, going back to Pittsburgh, having yeah. a great career. I uh, played against a guy uh, named Anto- uh, against a guy named Nick Easton, uh, who's on my team. Uh, who ended up going back. I was sent over by Pittsburgh, and went to go. I'm sorry, sent over by Denver. Then went and played a good career at Pittsburgh. So NFL Europe was great. I mean, it really gave guys a chance to switch positions. Like I was a tackle, and guys drafted as a tackle, and my rookie, I had to play some guard. So then my coaching staff and the front office wanted me to get back into the swing of tackle. 
So they told me, and they want me to go and play left tackle. I had not played left tackle since my junior year of college. So they want me to get some training and some work doing that to help prepare me for my season coming back over. So overall, Cole, uh, NFL Europe was a great experience for me. You mentioned there you got to go down to see Loch Ness. You didn't happen to yeah. get a glimpse of the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> I, if I could have, if I could have got a glimpse of him, went to the picture out of a type of football a long time ago. <laughs> I, I never got a chance to see the slippery sucker, so I didn't get a chance to retire like I wanted to early. You mentioned there as well a lot of the players like James Harrison who came back into the NFL. There's a lot of players from that NFL Europe those days. Even a lot of coaches too have admitted in now to be head coaches. Some guys have admitted to be GMs from that NFL Europe days. Uh, were you surprised that how many people uh, used that experience to go on to great things in the NFL or did you, you see those talented players back then that uh, really just needed the opportunity? Oh, no. I mean, it's all about opportunities. It's all about perfecting your craft getting relationships, building on, you know, partnerships and, and getting alliances. And that's how, that's how life is built. Like, life's built off how do you take your relationships and, you know, and parlay them into business opportunities or coaching opportunities or a chance to better your brand or better yourself. So NFL Europe, that's kind of how I took it. And, you know, even though I didn't want to go in the beginning because I was tired from a full season – but I knew they wanted me to learn new positions, so I kind of just, you know, went with, 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 with the flow. I really was, what we'll say, but overall, it was a great experience, and I'm not surprised how guys would parlay, you know, opportunities into, you know, uh, careers, like, you know, with GM positions or, you know, presidents or, you know, directors of operations. I'm not surprised at all. And uh, obviously you mentioned the brand. The NFL is obviously the biggest brand in all this here conversation. But do you think, uh, obviously, the NFL Europe has ceased to exist now, but do you think it's a loss for the NFL that, you know, in the off season you don't have the opportunity to send guys maybe who are rookies this year need a little bit more time playing to, you know, finalize, uh, develop their craft a little bit more? Do you think it's a, a loss for the league that they don't have that opportunity? I think it's absolutely a loss for the league because the only way you can truly get better I know practice means a lot. It's live fire bullets. And in NFL Europe, you're playing against people that aren't your teammates. Even though they might be your teammates, you know, back home, in the NFL Europe, it's film. And the way you get better as a young player is get more film and get more opportunity to develop your craft. That's the way that it always has been. So when, we, when Roger Goodell took NFL Europe away, I was a little bit disappointed I understand why he did it because of the money, the insurance, and I understand all that. But some of these young players that weren't getting any reps in practice or weren't getting much reps like they should have been getting because, you know, they were going through whatever, it really, it really hindered their ability to get on film, which is the way that you get yourself noticed. Then moving on, you retired in 2007, and uh, you know you from your time in college. What I've read about you, you always were thinking about after the game, trying to see what was you know the next step. Because an NFL career, you know, the average career is around three years. Some guys only get a year at it, and then there's some guys who do make it, you know, ten years on or something like that. There, and it's obviously you have to think because you're finishing your career as a you know a late twenties, early thirty year old, unless you're a quarterback playing to a lot older, but. You know, it's a, it's a thing that you have to look at. You need that second career to, to fall back on, and that's something that you always looked at even long before you retired. Oh, yeah. I mean, I never planned to play in the National Football League until it was right before my redshirt senior year when people told me I could be drafted. I was always education first, 
and football year to year. I was always education for the long haul and football year year to year. That's the way uh, that's the way that I've always been. And honestly, you know, Cole, I know I knew that when my career was over, I wanted to be a businessman, entrepreneur. Wasn't really sure what, but I was always thinking about doing all this type of stuff. You know what I mean? To really make myself better. That's who I was. And I could try to tell my clients that I mentor and kids that I work with, you have to think at some point, don't know when it's going to be, you're going to be an ex-athlete. So when you're done playing football, what's next? What's your next play? Yeah, it's definitely, you know, something that a, it's definitely something that a, a lot of pl- people going into the league probably don't think of. You see a lot of guys that, as I mentioned, if they're only in the league for two or three years, then they're out. And there's a lot of reports done that some of those guys then bankrupt within a few years after that. And they have, you know, they're, they're back working normal jobs rather than trying to develop a strategy like you talked about and having something to fall back on after you finish playing. Well, you know, it's kind of like me calling it. I filed for bankruptcy because I took a construction company, a business, and I built it up to a, like a, almost a $12 million business. Built it up from the ground. Took on a bad project. Lost everything. So, you know, I've been through it, and I understand, but mine was a little bit different because I actually had a successful construction company. Yeah. I wasn't out there blowing my money on women and cars and stuff like that. But I try to tell guys is if you really want to, you know, if you're going to make a gamble, at least make a gamble that, you know, that makes sense. Like, you know, take the opportunity and take a chance to make a good living for yourself. That's what I did. Didn't work out that way. But like you said, it, it taught me a lot about life. I'm currently right now writing two books, uh, one on health and wealth, one on my life. I do a lot of, you know, photo shoots, modeling, stuff of that nature. And I'm always building my brand, looking for the right opportunities to make money for myself. And like you said, I don't want to work. You know, I see guys get jobs at like, you know, uh, Walmart, you know, general manager, or get a job at a Waffle House, or get a job, you know, at you know at a Home Depot or Lowe's, or you know, you know, stuff like that. Like that was never me. Like I I worked for a job with Merrill Lynch after my career. But honestly, that was a great job, Colin, but I wasn't me either. <laughs> I didn't like that. Like, you kind of have to earn your niche. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, like you're saying, guys don't, a lot of guys get put into a lot of money or put into a lot of, to a very early age, and they have bad people around them, and they really don't know how to plan. And that really breaks my heart because, it's wanting to lose money, Cole, like I said, that's me trying to better your life, but losing money because you don't pay your taxes or because you don't know anything about deferring your money, or you don't know anything about how to, you know, how to get a good IRA or a good 401k or any of this stuff, you know, wrong people. And that's what happens to most guys, Cole. They the wrong get bad, yeah. they, get, they get a bad investor, they get a bad agent, they get a bad, there's something bad happens. And when something bad happens like that, it's, it's catastrophic. And unfortunately, the one that's left holding the bag are the players. Yeah, it's very, very true, and it's very interesting to get like first-hand perspective that you can give on that. That's why I like getting different elements on here on the show. I read a thing as well where you were talking about you know player safety. You're obviously involved with your Ogden Elite camps as well, and you know things yes. like concussions. You, you had a couple of concussions as a player. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. 
And well, uh, but they 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 weren't they were not diagnosed with concussions back then. But I know what they are today. They were yeah. concussions. They were they were, they were they were diagnosed as you know head rings or bell rings. But I know what they were and I know what they are. Yeah, it's amazing that just ten, even ten years ago that these concussions weren't properly diagnosed because that's what you hear a lot of the ex players saying. People say, "Did you have a concussion?" and they'll say. Well, uh, you know, I've seen stars and, you know, at the time I was just trying to shake it off. But now everyone seems to know that, you know, with the extra research, that definitely a fact of concussion. But, you know, Chris Borland, you mentioned about you were always thinking about time after the game. Chris Borland of the 49ers, well, formerly now of the 49ers, came out of college uh-huh. last year, had a very, very successful rookie season, has stepped away from the game and uh, has uh-huh. decided to go on to uh, other ventures. What did you think uh-huh. of his decision? Did you think that was a, a smart decision? or? I thought he, I think it took a lot of guts. I thought it took a lot of resiliency, and I'm very, very proud of a brotherhood like that, even though he's only in for a year. A brotherhood, former brotherhood, or a current brotherhood, because you're always a brotherhood when you play, yeah. to actually say, you know what, it's not worth it, because at the end of the day, you know, I, I just actually went down to the University of Tulane uh, for the brain and body assessment of the NFL that's, that's uh, sponsored by the Trust Program. And I went there and I started to see, I have, you know, the, the white blood, the blood vessels are starting to pop in my brain. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's happening. You know, there's nothing that can be done about it. You can take medicine to kind of hope, hopefully slow it down. But once it busts, it doesn't come, it, it can't be reversed. It doesn't go back, yeah. Nope. So anyway... You know, to watch a guy like that as a middle linebacker, a guy that you know has to really be physical and fit and all this type of stuff, to watch a guy like that say, you know what, enough's enough, I can't do this anymore, that tells me that he's thinking ahead. Like, why wait until you're like Junior Seau and you're so depressed you kill yourself? Why wait until you're you're Tony Dorsett who attacks his wife and family? Why wait until you're Leonard Marshall who actually, I've come to know as a business uh, associate as well as a brotherhood, a guy who has made it publicly known he has CTE. Like, and according to sources, now again, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how true this is. According to doctors, I'm actually reading a book right now um, uh, called, uh, I'm reading a book right now on it, I don't know the name of it, I can't remember the name of it, uh, but it's obsessed by, by my nightstand. I talk about concussions and like the NFL, like what it's really like. The NFL knew about CTE years ago. Yeah. But they did. But, but again, the, I mean, it's, just, it's a business. Like they want to make as much money as they can, which I totally understand. But again, I really hope. I just hope in my in my heart that the owners didn't really know. I really hope that they didn't, because that is just, in my retrospect, that is unforgivable. If you truly know that concussions can cause someone's brain to cloud up and cause them to lose space. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, you've had seven guys retire. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you had Court Finnegan, you had, you had a couple of well-known football players shut it down. So I think that this could be the start, possibly, of a big train of people saying, you know what, it's not worth it. I mean, what good at call is it get to get $114 million off of the amount of the sue if by the time you're, you're 40, you have CT and you're going to be gone in five years? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Are you, are you, are you going to have dementia? Are you going to have Alzheimer's? Are you going to have, you know, you know CTE? Are you going to have, I mean, like, I knew personally Johnny Unitas. I knew personally, I still know him today, Lenny Moore. I knew John Mackey before he died. I knew Art Donovan. 
these guys gave their life to the game, and you know what the game said? Okay, here's a few bucks for your time. We're not going to give you medical insurance, and you know. So thank the Lord the NFL is doing. And again, the NFL is doing much better. Like I remember the trust program, and they're doing a, they're doing a hell of a job to make it better. But back in the old days, those guys were really just out there for the love of the game because they were getting paid less than police officers or you know school yeah, teachers. Like they were out similar. there. They were out there just for the love of the game. You mentioned obviously That's that it. they're taking you know steps. Do you think they're taking enough steps? Do you think they're moving in the right direction, the league? The league's moving in the right direction, yes. Do I think it can catch up to all of the past problems from the old days? I don't know. I don't know. I think my generation, we're going to have problems, but it's not as bad as the guys from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. You know, those yeah. guys really didn't have much of any type of medical coverage or medical, you know, you know, help or anything like that. It was really, really difficult. So um, the league is trying, and, really, and they really are trying hard, Tom. I just don't know how much. Like, you look like in my book, Sleep, in my book, Sleepless Nights, it comes out this year, August, September. I, I'm going to talk about the NFL trust program, how they helped me financially get myself stable and paid four months of my bills when I filed for bankruptcy. I'm going to talk about that because I want the NFL to get the positivity that they deserve because they're trying and they're doing a lot better. But again, it's just so far to come from the days of Dick Buckus or, you know, Deacon Jones or, you know, I mean, you've got guys like Tom Maggs, a personal friend of mine who played with Nias and, well, we paid with, uh, with, uh, with oh God, Bubba Smith and all those guys. You know, Bruce Lair, those guys really are struggling. Financially, medically, those guys are really struggling. And it breaks my heart because they can't build a brand. You, if, you, if, you, if you're Michael Jordan in your 50s and 60s and 70s, you can continue to build your brand and go. Yeah. But if you're Johnny Unitas, well, if you're Tom Maddie in your 70s or 80s, you can't pick up and, re- and start a brand. It's going to take you at least two or three years to build a brand. And Tom Maddie, I love him to death. He's not Jordan. I mean, if you're Jordan and you're 70, you'll still be making $100 million a year because you're Jordan. If you're Magic Johnson, you can do that. If you're Joe Namath, you know, if you're that type of person, Terry Bradshaw, but it took those guys time. The older guys do not have the time to build it like they need to because they just don't have it. They're not, they're not social media savvy. They're not technically savvy with, mm. you know, Instagram or Twitter or how we met on, you know, you know Twitter or yeah. LinkedIn. They don't have the type of knowledge. They're, they're, they don't know about that stuff. And it's very interesting you know? to, to hear that. And, uh, you know, you talked that we talked about Chris Borland. He, he retired early. A player that I've said for a few years, I think he's hanging on a little bit too long with his concussion issues as a player like Wes Welker. You know, he's still without a club this offseason. Maybe nobody picks him up. But I think the main reason that he hasn't been picked up, although he's probably not as productive as he was a few years ago, I think the main issue is a team's afraid because of his past concussion issues because he already wears sure. a, a special helmet and everything over the last two or three years of his of his play. And uh, I think that there is the main reason that teams are probably staying away from him, just a, a fear of him being on Cole. their franchise when a, another severe concussion takes place. Cole, nobody wants a black sheep. Yeah. Nobody wants a medical possible issue nobody wants that so and you know what do you do you stay away from it you know what i mean you don't want to hurt the team that has to pay that heavy insurance if he gets the concussion and he sues the league because the league is going to get their money back from you from the team yeah especially a guy like that who's been clinically diagnosed so many times with the same issue 
And I'm sorry, man. Head issues today, it's, it's, it's unreal. Unreal. I mean, I just did a magazine. Uh, matter of fact, if you look on my Twitter, I just had an article come out. I did a magazine photo shoot in New York City with a company called, with a magazine called Traffic. Right. It, just got, it just came out today. And I talk a little bit about, like, the health. Like, I've lost 100 pounds since my career and all this type of stuff. Like, you know, the NFL's trying to fix that, like, with exos and training and stuff like that. But I will say this. The NFL cannot make guys go to the gym. Yeah, that's can, true. They can, they can offer you all the programs in the world. But if you don't want to take advantage, there's nothing they can do. You mentioned there as well your Twitter, of course, it's Marcus underscore at Marcus underscore Ogden. And, you know, just before we finish up, I'll give you a chance to, to plug the Ogden Elite camps. Uh, you can find that as well at Ogden Elite. And uh, anything else that you want to give a, a wee shout out? You've been very no. generous with your time and uh, plug away. No, Colin, Colin, the big thing I said, I have my, uh, I do uh, Ogden Elite camps and training, which is um, www at Ogden, O G D E N, Elite Football Camp, singular, camp.com. My Twitter is at Marcus underscore Ogden. My Instagram is um, at Marcus, M-A-R-Q-E-S, Ogden. And I have a Facebook as well, which is uh, my name, Marcus Ogden. I also have a um, Ogden Facebook page. And like I say, I'm, I'm doing all types of things. I do public speaking. I do branding. I travel. I have a big event coming up, actually, for a company called NetApp. This is April 12th in downtown Chicago. Um, you know, it might get a steakhouse, which should be awesome. Yeah, it should, uh, be, nice. it should be really great. <laughs> and then, and then on top of, like I said, I do. Uh, you know, I have the books coming out. Sleepless Nights will be out August, September this year. Uh, I also have a book coming out. I help the well, my health and wellness strategies about my life and my upbringing. And my brother, who's also a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, Jonathan, about how we were raised to be big kids and how I've changed and broke the cycle to become more healthy and more fit. And just stuff like that. So I'm always trying to motivate people, inspire them to do better. And because, again, like I said, I went bankrupt this call. Yeah. I lost everything that I had. Lost my house, lost my cars. And you know what? I could have sat around and pouted about it all day long. Or I can get off my, off my butt and change. And I made a change, and I've been doing better ever since. Yeah, it's fantastic to hear. And obviously you mentioned the book coming out in August, September time. Maybe uh, we get you on closer to the time and give you a little bit of uh, publicity for that there. And uh, uh, I really look forward to actually checking it out because I'm sure you're going to have some fantastic stories in, in that book and uh, look forward to hearing from it. Of course, again, one time, the the Twitter is at Mar- Marcus underscore Ogden and uh, it's been fantastic talking to you. Very, very nice to, to get a conversation with you and hopefully we'll get you back on the show, as I mentioned, in the future. Sounds good, Paul. I look forward to it. Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Island Podcast. Once again, many thanks to Marcus for coming on and talking to us on the podcast. Really enjoyed talking to him. Hopefully, we'll get him back on in the future. There's a lot of interesting points raised there. A lot, of, a lot of different perspectives from his career and some of his stories are very, very insightful. As I mentioned, give him a quick follow on Twitter. It's at Marcus underscore Ogden and uh, well worth a follow on there. Very interactive with anyone that uh, has any questions for him about his time in the NFL. As he mentioned, he's writing two books and uh, or any other questions you might have for him. So that's at Marcus underscore Ogden and he also has his Ogden Elite training camp. So anyone over there stateside looking to get a bit of extra training as you head into your college career and so on and so forth, do get in touch with them. I'm uh, just after coming back from some training myself. It's going to be a short and sweet show today. Training with the Donegal Dairy Vipers, the new local 
American football team set up here in the northwest of Ireland and uh, quite physical today. Uh, first day in pads game uh, coming up now in two weeks and uh, let's just say a little bit of pain at the moment but uh, really looking forward to that game two weeks time and uh, taking place in Derry. So anyone in the Derry area that listens to the show looking to see me uh, maybe uh, catch some passes at the, the tight end position. Don't be afraid to, to get in touch and I'll give you further information on that but I know we have a lot of people out there listening to play in the British League. We have people as well playing in the Irish League uh, like myself. So it's a, it's a lot of fun getting out there, playing a bit of ball, and uh, we'll see how things go. And I'll keep you updated as the season progresses. We mentioned there just the British Football League. Very interesting that one of the players playing in the British Football League just don't have the article right in front of me now. And uh, got a, got signed with the Dallas Cowboys this past week. So uh, lots of strides going for the game on uh, the side of the Atlantic. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, you know, there's been a couple of guys signed, and it'll be a developmental role I'm sure as they try and make their way onto the roster I'm sure he's not uh, expecting to be starting come week one but maybe a couple of years down the line he'll get an opportunity to play in the NFL but I think the, the guy in, in, in mentioned only played six games last season after starting and uh, it was very interesting to read that piece on NFL.com so um, a lot of stuff going on here on both sides of the Atlantic and expressing grow in the game over here so just thought I'd give a wee quick uh, update on all that sort of stuff uh, to finish up the show because there isn't a lot of news since we last talked quiet news week a lot of stuff coming out about the draft and some of the draft prospects but thought I'd just keep this show uh, just a nice quick interview there uh, almost a half an hour I spent with Marcus Ogden great to get his perspective on all things around the National Football League so until the next show when uh, I'll be back DJ might even join me on that one and hopefully we'll have another special guest looking ahead towards the nfl draft my name's colin obviously if you want hit that subscribe button to make sure you come back here each and every show we'll be keeping the shows going throughout the off season and then getting ramped up again ahead of next season's nfl season so until then i'm colin and of course have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast please follow us on twitter at overtime ireland Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.